Welcome to Need More Words, a slightly cursed podcast about writing and reading. Because we're all stuck on something. I'm Margaret. And I'm Vicky. And today we are both doing our Q&A and we're going to be talking about Nano in the opposite order of what I just said. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's been a while. Life's been, been uh, busy. And we might be slightly cursed still, uh, given it took an hour to get my computer to actually start and run everything we needed to record tonight. But yes, but before we get into that, we're going to talk briefly about things that we wrote in the intervening month and about what we're reading. So, Vicki, what are you reading? So, I, uh, I, one, I finished the Alphabet Squadron books finally uh they were 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 a emotional roller coaster of an experience uh highly recommend was good times many feelings many feelings my heart has not quite recovered so mine hasn't recovered either and it's been much longer (laughs) (laughs) so to help with the recovery i am leaning into the christmas holiday creep which is a little less bad in Canada because we did Thanksgiving like a month ago. So uh, anyway, I am reading Mistletoe Christmas, which is an anthology. It has stories by Eloisa James, Christy Caldwell, Jenna McGregor, and Erica Ridley. I've only read the first one. I'm on the second one, which is uh, the Caldwell story. The first one was Eloisa James. And really enjoying it so far. What I really like is I've read several romance anthologies before and a few times when they they try to be interconnected but this one seems to have nailed the interconnectedness more than any others that I personally read because all four stories are set at the same Christmas party which is this massive ridiculous over-the-top affair that happens every year and I'm pretty sure you know the third the very first story introduces several people from various couples that are going to happen by the end of the book and uh, yeah just kind of fun something a little lighter where there's going to be a HEA at the end and less trauma than Alexander Freed likes to write apparently so recovery is on its way yeah I can't remember what I read after Victory's Price but I went for something fluffy fluffy is good Oh my god, that book. <laughs> uh, so what are you reading now? So I am currently reading Kindred, Neanderthal, Life, Love, Death, and Art by Rebecca Rag Sykes, which is a nonfiction book about how, unless you are deep into the field, everything you know about everything you know about Neanderthals is probably wrong. Ooh. Well, that's nice. So it's delving into Neanderthal culture. So, you know, we could start with the fact that they very much had a culture. Mm-hmm. And everything we're wrong about, about them having far more extensive technology than we usually gave them credit for, a more varied diet, probably much greater cognition. I'm about halfway through, and it's it's a slow read because it is in-depth nonfiction. But it's fascinating, and I've been wanting to read it since Sykes was a guest on Bill Nye's podcast. 
almost like that was the goal of her going on Bill Nye's podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I, I heard her talk about just in the hour that she was with him, it said, I, I, I need to know everything about this. So I wound up requesting the book for the library, waited months and months for it to come in, did not finish it before it had to go back. <laughs> but I just, Aww. on my way to the library to drop it off, I just went into Book City and bought a copy. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's just the easiest way. And I mean, it's interesting enough that it might be useful to have around for reference for something at some point. Mm-hmm. Plus, at least you already know you like it. So. Yes. It's not a risky purchase. So other than Nano, have you gotten anything written? Uh, well, really, the only thing is, so we recorded right before uh, NYC Midnight, or, well, that actually is not quite right before, but because uh, the last episode came out in September and the round was the end of October. But there has been a round of NYC Midnight since we recorded last. So I did make, uh, make it to round three, which was nice. And uh, I got not my favorite prompts, but I think I did okay with it. It was comedy, uh, a daycare center, uh, and, and a duffel bag. So I decided go like last time I got comedy I made it a fantasy comedy I was like well that worked out pretty well so let's do it again and so I did that and uh, I said I'm reasonably happy with the story but don't entirely know how well I will do it will be interesting to see I would love to make the final round but I will say I won't be entirely surprised if I don't comedy is not your favorite genre no, I said Susan. I'd like to get it at some point. I've never gotten it. I got friggin' drama instead. The drama's not very good. Also, I'm looking at our show notes, and there's been so much curse going on that we recorded the last one like three days before round two. Right, because it came. We posted it in the end of September, but we recorded it mid-September. Because yeah, so, so, September 12th was when the challenge, the second round, was due. I bring this up because what I wrote for that was romance, an orange grove, and a menu. I wrote something. I don't remember what it was anymore. (laughs) You probably do, but I don't. Romance was an interesting one for me because I realized that I enjoy writing established relationships. Getting people together, I find a little trickier. Hmm. Clearly, I should be writing for Deep Space Nine. Sure, yeah. Deep Space Nine's good. Because they, they were never very good at getting people together, but often wrote good established relationships. Hey, hey. My favorite shit, Star Trek ship is from Deep Space Nine, and they were not together at the beginning. Yeah, but their courtship was like three episodes. After like five years of pining. Anyway. The point is, I had to write romance, and it was, I think what I came out with was kind of cute. I'm reasonably certain no one else in my group used my interpretation of the menu. Yeah, well, that's good. And then it turned out TLDR Press had a call for romance, so I checked that at it, because why not? And then the other thing I was doing prior to the all-consuming nano-ness 
I did mostly get my revision notes done for doing a second draft of The Unchosen Ones once I finished the first draft of this year's nano project. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot of interesting things with language in that. Mm-hmm. Chris, it's a good way to make sure that your protagonist doesn't know information you don't want your protagonist to know is put the information in fantasy Latin and make your protagonist a peasant. Yep. But of course, it is now November. So the main thing I'm writing is part of our main section. Yep. Oh, I, I did remember what I wrote that. Uh, so for round two, that was when I had everyone's favorite political satire. Oh, right, right. I really liked what you wrote. Yeah, yeah. Actually, like, wait, what did I write? Oh, yes, it was that one. I, that was a good story. So it was a political satire, a wine bar, and breath spray. And so naturally, I was, my mind went vampire. Of course. And technically, I will say it was more social satire than political satire, but... It was still pretty fun, and it, it, the judges didn't mark me down for it being, you know, not quite really political. Honestly, it's a pretty narrow genre definition, so I think I I made it work. And uh, yeah, uh, that's I think out of out of the three stories I've written, that one was I think the best. One of your judges was a cishet dude. Yeah, one of the uh, yeah the vampire is basically going to the wine bar and finding men who suck and then she sucks them in the blood and not a a dirty way and then she kills them yes we'll see if i edit that out (laughs) (laughs) okay sounds good i may just leave the i may just leave it complete with that part and one of the judges was like i don't know that these guys really deserve to be killed and like okay probably they didn't deserve to be killed but they were pretty bad. And, uh, yeah. They deserve to be killed in a social satire piece. Yes, yes. And, you know, vampires gotta eat. So, you know, at least she's, you know, going for people who are not improving society. So, anyway. I guess that wraps up our section. So we will take a break and then we'll talk about our big writing projects for November and then answer this cues. With some A's. Let's take a quick break and come back to the main topic. All right, so we are going to start by doing a bit of an overview because it is November, which means it's National Novel Writing Month, and we are both working on nano projects this year. So we're going to talk about what we're working on, what our plans and strategies have been, and how is it going. We're not quite halfway through the month, but we're we're nearing that halfway point. So in other words, how far behind we are. Yeah. I was I I was just thinking that maybe you weren't behind. So oh god, no, I'm behind. <laughs> I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. I haven't seen your word count recently. So anyway, what are you working on that you're behind in? So my this year I don't have a title yet. My working title is Shameless Space Fantasy. Yay! I think you should keep that. I think that's pushing it in terms of keeping my working title. Mm, maybe. It's it's probably going to be some pun on the name of the ship, actually. Cause I, there's a ship. Its name is the Caprice. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I like that name. It's a nice name. I could have some fun with it. So there's a few elements that came together. Only two of which are spite. Woo! Less spite in your writing this year. So part of the concept, the shameless space fantasy part of the concept, is actually something I've kind of wanted to write since high school. In high school, I was reading through Writer's Digest as totally normal high school students do. Yes, naturally. And I was reading an article about science fiction. At one point, they talk about how no matter how hard we try to techno babble of reasoning in deep in our heart of hearts, we know that the FTL drive might as well just be powered by a woman in a robe sitting in the engine room, chanting in Gaelic and flipping over tarot cards. And high school me went, but what if I did that? <laughs> this, this sounds like what I've heard about high school you. So yeah, on brand. So that kind of percolated for mumble, mumble years. Because, hmm. <laughs> of course, what that was missing was characters and a plot. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I-, I figured I could get a plot out of whether or not the wizards really wanted to be running the engines. Spoilers, they don't. Oh. What do they want to do? Make their own choices, mostly. <laughs> Oh. oh, so like autonomy? Ugh. Oh, I know, right? Terrible. So what I was still missing were some characters. Then I rewatched Rebels and Firefly. <laughs> and the spite came really close together. And I started thinking, but what if I wrote a found family spaceship crew story where there's a cute married couple... And they both survived the story. And then the spite came in to the story, to the planning process. Yes. And I have recently realized, so when I was outlining it and thinking about Mice Quotient, I actually, that actually wound up being really useful because I realized that the captain slash mom of the found family, she was really going to be carrying all the event type threads, but she actually kind of feels pretty good about who she is. So she didn't have much of a character threat. However, the runaway Imperial wizard, she needs to figure out who the heck she is now that she's run away. So she was carrying a character thread, and I realized that this was actually going to be full-on dual dual POV between them. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And Recently, as I was working on it, I, so Iris, as she is currently known, has had her, are we the baddies moment during her first time out in the field, which quickly led to, oh, oh, we are definitely the baddies. And she decides she doesn't want anything to do with them, and this is going to lead to her ending up with our scrappy little crew of rebels, of course. Hmm. And one of the big things they're going to be doing as our plot is they want to go help the kids who have wound up in a similar situation to her because she sure didn't volunteer for this job. And then I realized 
Wait, this is what I wanted them to do with Finn. Yep. Oh, poor Finn. So yeah, there was a little more spite involved than I realized. So right now, I knew going in that I was not realistically going to hit the 50,000. Because I am going to be away visiting my family for the first time in two years in the middle of November. And I was not realistically going to get 1,600 words a day. Mm -hmm. But already I have been averaging about 1,000 words a day. That's pretty good. Yeah, which is a quite good word count. Even if it's not, I will get 50,000 words in November word count. It's a good word count and I am at peace with it. And I think this year it's like I've hit the 50,000 while working before. Mm-hmm. But last time I hit it while working full time, work was elsewhere and not at the same desk I was trying to write at. And I also had more options to go somewhere to write. Mm-hmm. So I think fully getting in the nano zone is just proving a little more difficult this year, though. Maybe I just need to do a lot more sprints because I still got like 3,000 words at virtual EFAD. That's good. So when I sit down and focus and do sprints, I can still get the word count. And virtual EFAD is, of course. Every Friday at, well, I guess the D currently stands for distance. (laughs) So it's a write-in that actually runs year-round. It's far more productive in November than it is year-round. It used to be held at the Davisville Starbucks. R.I.P. the Davisville Starbucks. Bless. But it's been running virtually basically the entire time. And I would regularly get 3,000 words at that Starbucks. But only in November. (laughs) We are far too chatty the rest of the year. Yeah, I miss my Ottawa Starbucks write-in that we had. That we actually had, I think, think it a few times outside of November, but it's not quite the same doing everything on Discord. Yeah, yeah, we have Zoom, and it's something, but... Yeah, I haven't actually joined anything on Discord, because I haven't felt like making the effort. There's, a, there's an energy missing. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. So, what's your project? Uh, so, my project, which I, uh, um, viewers who have been listening for a while will have heard about this one, is uh, A Pair of Queens. So, it is my fantasy story that is about fraternal twin sisters who the the country's tradition is if there are twins they inherit together and rule and this you know works great in theory but in practice turns out to be a little more complicated particularly when we have so the country of Udrella is made up of two parts Udra and Elton who used to be separate countries but then 200 years ago with the previous twin monarchs became one And there's been a certain lack of unity over the years, and it's uh, got got particularly bad in the the recent generations. And so 
Queen Christina and Queen Araminta are getting thrown into the middle of this, and they also have no idea things are nearly as bad as they are. So it's uh, going to be interesting, going to be fun. We've got some romance, got political intrigue, got some magic. I mean, is it is it basically my own you know, my my own comp to Christina's legacy? Sure. Or you could also say it's like if I you know. My perfect version of A Song of Ice and Fire would only have the King's Landing stuff in it. Get rid of everything else. I don't care about it. King's Landing, that's where it's at. You mean you don't want Danny? <laughs> nope, nope. Get rid of Danny. Get rid of John. Get rid of Dorn. <laughs> no one's going to fight me on that one, at least. No. What about Bran turning into a time-traveling tree? Yeah, no, no brand boo to that. But give me my 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 scheming Lannisters and Sansa and Littlefinger and Varys and Tyrion, and that is just great. Tyrion, he's so scheming that he gets mentioned as separate from the scheming Lannisters. Yes, yes. Well, we've got the scheming there. Lannisters who are scheming together, and then you have Tyrion who's doing it on his own. That's and also, Tyrion is awesome enough that he deserves being mentioned twice. So yes, he is the final character. I will care. I will care if they die. Yeah, I only have the ability to care about one more character's death, and I'm saving it for him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not going to die. So I'm also pretty sure that Martin's never going to finish it. So yeah, that too. Thus, no one's going to die, except our hopes for a Dream of Spring ever getting published. But that's another story. So. Uh, it's not going well as far as actually winning Nano. Um, I hit the 2,000 word mark today. But I hit the 2,000 word mark today. Yeah, and those are words you didn't have. Yeah, so, so I, I basically started up to plans of using the similar plan that I had last year, which is the idea of just kind of trying to do a skeleton draft. And I have a, I have a bigger, a more fleshed out outline this year than I have for previous projects and more world building and everything. So I feel like this project, I did a lot more prep work than previously. And because one of my biggest problems with any long stories is keeping my own interest up. And this one, I'm actually pretty interested in the whole story. The only problem is I am a lot more interested in Araminta's story than Christina's at this point, but I'm working on it. Christina needs a sexy assassin. No. I don't want to, no. I have no room for a sexy assassin. There's already, she's already got her betrothed and a sexy court painter. So we don't need anyone else in. Uh, we've already got a love triangle for her. Okay. So right now, I've actually uh, have a four-day weekend that started today. And my goal for that is I want to get what I've defined as act one, which is the first eight chapters. I would like to have something written for all of them, which should get me to about, I would guess, seven, eight thousand words, which would be a substantial amount. I would also have a solid beginning. Because uh, this is one where the act two is very big. So... I feel like just getting through act one would be very good. And then I can just jump around act two and kind of figure it out. 
And my goal is to get Iris onto the caprice tonight. Yeah, I'm not running again tonight. It's too late. I'm going to sleep or to sleep when we finish this. Might have had time if my computer had behaved. Yes, well, computers are difficult like that. So yeah, I said, oh, I also am having fun. I decided that today that the best viewing material while I sit and write was going to be Bridgerton. And I've sort of been enjoying watching it again. And it does uh, have some similar tone to what I'm going for. So it's all fun. I'm, I had a good had a good writing day today. So I'm hoping I can keep that momentum up for the next three. And I almost forgot to say that this project is actually in the same universe as the Unchosen Ones. Largely because I had already created a perfectly good magic system. didn't feel like creating another one. Yeah. Reusing, it's good for the environment. So yeah, we're thousands of years in the future, but it is the same universe. <laughs> and now they're on spaceships. Whee! Wizards in space. Flying FTL drives and unhappily doing uh, that. No autonomy, but you're in space. Fair trade-off, I think. I think they, they could probably come up with something a little better. Well, I mean, yes, there's always room for improvement, but... <laughs> yeah, so let's A some cues. A and cues. So uh, we have questions from from two people, and only one of them was me. Um, the other one was Tom. Thank you, Tom! Yes, thank you, Tom. And no thank you to my mother, who did not send a question. But we will answer the question she threatened to send. Sure, yeah. Okay. So we will start with Tom. So Tom sent us three questions, so we would have variety, and we're going to do all of them. So, yeah, your questions. So his first question is, what was the first book you came back to and read a second time? Well, I'm sure my mother would insist it was, but where will the animals stay? Mm-hmm. This is simply not referring to picture books one reads over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, that was my first thought. I'm like, um, all of Dr. Seuss, particularly Horton Hatches an Egg and The Cat in the Hat. I think my mom had both of those memorized at one point. She might still. Yeah, I think my parents can still recite, but where will the animals stay? But... <laughs> Realistically, it's probably one of the, a random book within one of those humongous kidlit series of chapter books, you know, like the Babysitter's Club or something like that, where I just happened to grab the same one out of the library twice. Mm. But in terms of what I can specifically remember reading more than once, I think the first was probably The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I read Narnia a lot. <laughs> it was Narnia, and it was good. And I, at the time, I liked fantasy, and I didn't like science fiction. <sighs> the horror. Which is really funny now. Huh, I've read Narnia. I think I've actually only read any of the Narnia books once. And now uh, I'm going, why not both? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was probably Narnia, and since it was probably Narnia, it was probably specifically The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, obviously. I said, if, 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 I, if I, I, I've definitely read all of them once, if there's any I've read more than once, it's going to be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's a possibility that I've read it, I've read that twice. So what was it for you? 
Well, again, if we're excluding Dr. Seuss, um, the first one I can remember uh, is a book called Absolute Normal Chaos by Sharon Creech. And I still have my copy. It is falling apart because I have read it very many times. I don't know how old I was when I first read it, but I'm guessing maybe grade four-ish. It's basically a character, Mary Lou Finney, Yes, I remember the character's name. I've read it so much. Is given a summer assignment to write a journal, and she gets really into it, and then has a you know it's it's just normal contemporary fiction, but she has quite you know a eventful summer. She has a you know a cousin who comes stays with them, and he's very strange. She has you know her she and her crush are kind of you know inching closer to becoming a couple. Other things happen, and the thing that probably had the biggest impact on me is she reads the Odyssey as part of her school's summer reading list. Apparently, that's a thing schools do in the States. Yes, yes, and this caused me to read the Odyssey in, like, grade four or five. I'm sure that had no long-term damage to your psyche. (laughs) Yeah, it was dirty damage, I'm sure. And, you know, also there was, there's a book from the, the, the library had this little encyclopedia of Greek myths written for kids. And I think I checked that thing out of the library like 20 times. And yes, this is my, my love of Greek mythology directly came from this book. And I also love it. And so Sharon Creech is actually her better, no, it's actually a companion book to her better known one, which is Walk Two Moons, I believe is what it's called. It's the saying, you don't know anyone because you've walked two moons in their shoes or something like that. Anyway, I read that one too. Didn't like it as much. It, it's like a Newbery Award winning book, but whatever. I like this one better. Does it read like a Newbery Award winning book? <laughs> I mean, I don't really remember it because I read it once like 20 years ago. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. Yeah, this yeah, this sounds like a Newberry book. <laughs> I mean, it was good. It's just absolute normal chaos. That was my jam. And I, I, I've actually, I said, I still have my copy. I actually reread it a few years ago and I still really enjoyed it. So yes, I'm not sure if it was the first book I came back to read a second time, but it's certainly one of the ones I have reread the most. And obviously it stuck with you. Also, the girl in the milk, the, the girl based on the milk carton series. I've read all of those too many times. I think I only read those once, but I definitely read them. Mm. Th- those took some turns. They did, yes. And and she kept writing them, and they just the later ones were just not that good. But I, I, book two actually is my favorite. I love book two. Whatever happened, Jane? All right. Well, that, I think that covers that question. So on to the next one. Yes. Was there anything new you discovered in a reread that you were surprised you missed the first time around? So the first one I, I think of, and this this one is a bit funny. So so there's this book. I was I was really big into the Dragonlance series growing up. This was kind of my introduction to fantasy. And book Dragons of Summer Flame by Mark Reese and Tracy Hickman came out. And I finished reading it and was talking to my best friend Shannon about it. And she was like, oh, yeah, I, knew I was really sad when Steel died. I'm like, wait, what? Steel died? Is this a character death? I missed. 
the death of the second most important character in the book. Well then, <laughs> yeah, uh, my my only reasoning I can think of is that I was reading at like 10 p.m. and I was half asleep and I started sleep skimming and not realizing it and just managed to skip past that paragraph or something. But yes, yes, I missed the major death of a major character. And uh, I, I have reread the book and yes, he definitely dies and it's definitely clearly on the page. <laughs> um so yeah, that that was um an experience. That's amazing. So I was very surprised that I missed that the first time. <laughs> I say yeah, that yeah, was a pretty good example. The only thing else I can think of is there are things like I. So this, this series, Kushia's Legacy, I may have mentioned it. Possibly, possibly earlier in this episode. Oh yeah, I've read it many many times and. Even though I've read it many times, I can still sometimes catch little things. It's usually just like little, you know, subtle foreshadowing and things like that that I'll pick up on the second time or third time or fourth or fifth. I don't know how many times. I have no idea how many times I've read these books. I've read certain scenes like 20 plus times easily. So, yeah, that's that's another reason why I love the series is that it is I can still pick up on new things. How about you? Did you miss any main character deaths? Well, I should have gone first. <laughs> Mine is not nearly as good. Oh, okay. The first thing I could come up with was, does the fact that Pride and Prejudice is good count? Yeah, yeah. You, you missed that it was good. The whole time it was good. Yeah, so I read Pride and Prejudice in high school. Now, did you read it for pleasure or were you assigned it? It was for pleasure, technically. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, that wasn't the problem. Yeah, like, like we were, we never studied Pride and Prejudice. I think I might have read it to fulfill a category requirement for some sort of classroom thing, but those are open-ended enough that that shouldn't have been the problem. No, my problem is I read Pride and Prejudice Right when my best friend had gotten a boyfriend and wasn't paying enough attention to me. Hmm. So a book where everything's about wanting to get find a man and get married, this was not the time for me to read that book. No, not so much. I was not in the headspace to pick up that it was a commentary on that expectation. <laughs> Jane Austen has many levels. So I read it much later, actually after watching the Lizzie Bennet Diaries and finding that very fun. I said, well, maybe I'll give the book a chance again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good book. It is a good book. I, I also complained at the time that nothing happened. But I do feel like more does happen when you're not completely annoyed with the very concept of getting married. <laughs> Yes, I, I was mean, married when I read it the second time. I, I must have been married when I read it the second time. I got married pretty young. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also would imagine that, like, I mean, it, it, to be fair, like the, the the joke description is it's a book about people going to other visiting other people at their house, and that that's the book, and that's true. That is literally all that happens is 
they go from, you know, people go and they, you know, they visit. Sometimes they deliberately get cold so that they have to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we go to, I am blanking on the damn name of the. Uh, Netherfield is let it last. Yes. Netherfield. We go to Netherfield to visit. We go to the Bennett's house to visit. We go to Pemberley to visit. We go to London to have run away scandalously with a terrible, terrible person. Yes, even in high school, I acknowledged that when Lydia eloped, something had happened. Yes, yes. And I was annoyed that it got resolved too quickly. As far as I was concerned, that was the most exciting thing that had happened in the entire book. (laughs) Oh, well, it could be worse. It could have been Hard Times by Charles Dickens, where the bank gets robbed and it's still boring. I mean, Daenerys, apparently we're just dunking on Martin today. Daenerys has dragons. And it's still boring. Because that was the big thing I picked up on a reread was that Pride of Prejudice, and I mean, it probably helps that I now have a better appreciation of the subtle ways women managed to assert themselves in an era where they often didn't have a lot of options. And mm-hmm. I now find that really interesting. But yeah, high school me had no time for this. <laughs> I wanted these girls to go get careers. Yeah, yeah. Like, I knew it wasn't really an option for them, but I didn't want to read about girls who didn't want to have careers. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's fair. Sometimes you're just reading a book at the wrong point in your life. Yeah, definitely. Which actually kind of segues neatly into the next question. So our last question from Tom is, is there a particular book where you empathize with one character in your first read, but a different character in your later reading? So I had to think about this one for a while. I was looking for the books where I read them at dramatically different points in my life. And Pride and Prejudice did not qualify because I didn't like anybody the first time. Hmm. That said, I still desperately miss the Lizzie Bennet Diaries of Lydia. <laughs> yes, yes, they did great things with Lydia. But in the end, what I want to think about was I didn't stop empathizing with Anne when I read Anne of Green Gables later in life. But I was interested in Marilla in a way that I hadn't been when I was younger. Hmm. Yeah, I actually, that was one of the ones when I was trying to think about this one that I, I kind of came to mind as well. Yeah, like, I, I, I was kind of really going to, okay, what kid lit do I now get the parents in? Yeah, so I, I, I couldn't really come up with any great examples for this one, I have to admit. Uh, that was a book. Anyway, uh, the big one, actually, of recently was a television show, which would be Gilmore Girls. When I watched Gilmore Girls in high school, it was all about Rory. And then when I watched it in my 30s, I'm like, oh, nope, now Lorelai is uh, my is my favorite. And uh, I'm, I'm all about Lorelai. Because, again, that was just where I was in my life, more so than high school Rory. Yeah, let, let, let me tell you, watching Buffy for the first time as an adult... I feel it was a very different experience than it would have been if I'd watched as a teenager. Hmm. Yeah. For instance, I probably, I'm pretty sure I never would have yelled, Buffy, you have class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You definitely had those moments where you're like, where, where are your parents? 
child character. Do they know what you're doing? I mean, at least, to be fair, Buffy did answer that, that for a while the answer was no, and then the answer was yes eventually. But I mean, middle grade stuff is like that because kids don't want to read about adults fixing their problems. They want to read about kids fixing their problems. Mm-hmm. But it's always interesting to go back as an adult in the ones where they do try to explain why the parents, for whatever reason, you know, assuming they're alive, a lot of orphans in middle grade for obvious reasons. Or again, something like Anne, where I, mean, I think Every Babels was written with, you know, obviously can appeal to kids, but I don't think it was really written for kids so much. Yeah, I don't think there was as much of a concept of kid lit at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anything with a young protagonist where they still do try to give the adults a fair shake. When you approach as an adult, you go, no, no, I, I get why the parents made those choices now. Mm-hmm. You know, of course the parents did that. You know, when you're a kid, you're, why are you being like this? They're 13. That's practically grown up. And then you look yeah. as an adult and go, yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> Dear God. Nope, 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 not at all. (laughs) Why why are we letting these 11-year-olds babysit? Good question. Yeah, yeah, Marilla, I I think there's some sort of third-party prequel coming out with her that I'm curious about. Well, it came out several years ago. Oh. I I own it. I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's in the shame pile? Yeah, yeah. But yes, it's certainly... I actually said, looking back at it, because I, when I reread the first Anne book, I'm still technically in the middle of my second book reread of the second book, because the second book is actually not very good. I think it's very obvious that uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery wrote it in a year because the first Anne book had been popular, and they're like, we want a sequel. And she's like, okay, I will just whip up something. And uh, I think she put maybe put a lot more thought in some of the into the first book and maybe a little more thought in some of the later books because yeah this the second one is is tedious uh, i was reading you know reading the it knowing that the marilla prequel was coming and you know there's all these interesting little hints about marilla and her her own you know growing up and stuff and, and of course you get matthew back and because there's not enough matthew because she killed him off in the first book to be fair she wasn't expecting there to be more than one <laughs> Yes, well, she should have had forethought and known it was going to be an internationally acclaimed series that people would still be reading how many years later and having arguments about on a podcast. And that it would get huge in Japan. Yes. Yes. She clearly should have foreseen all of that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Maud. Not good. I also own a book about that's just about her, but called Maud, which I also haven't read, but... Uh, I'll get to him eventually. I think I did read that like a really, really long time ago. Not that old. Like within the last 10 years. Okay, maybe they have titled more than one biography for that. It's not a biography. It's a YA. Oh, then I have not read it. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. I think that covers that question. Thank you so much for sending them in, Tom. You are our favorite listener. Yes. And apparently we really love Marilla now. Yes, Marilla is great. Let me grab the actual wording of this question. 
What is the first thing you distinctively remember writing? Yes, this question comes from me because I thought it would be interesting. Uh, so I'll start. And also I was inspired because I, I'm annoyed that I can't actually find it right now. But I actually came across the first thing I remember writing recently and reread it. And uh, so I thought this is... Obviously, this must have been, I would guess, grade two, because I learned how to read in grade one. So it can't have been in grade one. <laughs> so we had, I think we, we'd read a book as a class, and we were assigned writing like a story or a continuation of it. I'm not entirely sure. But what I can remember of the book is that the main characters had a, a, a neighbor who was like a witch. And she had made this magic peanut brittle. And if they ate the peanut brittle, they turned into an animal. Because, of course, they did. Sure. And so this first thing I ever write was, was my sequel story in which our female main character, whose name I don't remember, turns into a Siamese cat. Because I was in the stage where Siamese cats were the coolest cat. I have never left this stage, in fact. They are, they are so very great. Cool. Uh, I love the Siamese. They're so pretty. And, and yeah, and, and so this, this, my continuation is several, like maybe, you know, three pages long. And it is three chapters. Each page is a chapter. And I, you know, and I, there are illustrations and it's this, you know, fantastic story of her turning into the cat and having adventures and, yeah, I, I, I do distinctly remember writing it. Uh, also funny is I, I, I came across it because I, you know, I was going through my, my uh, stuff my parents kept from my school years. And there was something else that asked, you know, what what do you like doing and what you do not do you not like doing? And I had written that I did not like writing. So apparently I, I changed my mind at some point. And maybe maybe this story is what did it. Take that second grade, Vicky. Because <laughs> I do remember writing it. Um, and being very, you know, I, I, I had fun writing it and I just kind of kept writing after that. So that is the, the first thing that I distinctly remember writing. First work of fiction. I guess it was fan fiction, but I didn't know what, know what fan fiction was at that point. Yeah, for, for me, it was also a school assignment. I must have written things earlier than that. But the first one I really remember it's not a specific piece even, but in grade four, we had a lot of creative writing assignments. We had a scribbler just for the creative writing assignments. Mm-hmm. And we must have had to write these things. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorting teachers in my mind now. Mm-hmm. It was either grade three or grade four at any rate. Yeah. No, it had, I don't think I had English in grade three. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there were a lot of creative writing assignments. And the big things I remember is they were all very heavily influenced by Narnia <laughs> and the Shock. Babysitter's Club. And the soundtrack of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, though I had not seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I, I would hope you had not seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show in grade three or four. But I had certainly heard the soundtrack a lot. Sure, yeah. And I'm pretty sure they were also all written in first person. 
Yes, yes. My I said my story was definitely first person. As I'm but I'm I'm pretty sure the the book that it was fan fiction of was in first person because I mean most a lot a lot of children's literature is first person. Yeah. And I think a lot of it would start with Hi, my name is this. The characters yeah. are not always named Margaret. <laughs> But yeah, we definitely did a lot of creative writing assignments in grade four. And I am pleased to report I've gotten better since then. Well, that, that's good. Kind of interesting, because I, 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 as I think about it, I obviously I have this thing I remember writing in grade two. And I know I must have written stuff between then and later. But the next thing I remember, well, yeah, there was one that I, I distinctly remember my really, really terrible novel that I wrote on my dad's laptop because it was a our, we had it my, my dad had a work laptop and it had nothing on it except like your basic solitaire minesweep or whatever and, but it did have Microsoft Word so I would instead of playing computer games I wrote a terrible novel about a beluga whale because animals but for school, I can't remember writing anything in, uh, else until like grade seven. But I remember a few things in grade seven and eight that I wrote. Not much of which was that good, but. To be fair, you were in grade seven and eight. No one could write well in grade seven and eight. That's true. You got to write all the bad words first. Yeah, yeah. But I said, definitely, I must have been writing other things as well. Or, I mean, obviously, so there would have been school projects and stuff and. Yes, yes. So yes, writing in school is good and people should do it and enjoy it, I think. I mean, some people will not enjoy it. That, that That's fine. But at least they'll, they'll know for sure. Yes, yes. All right. And so we have one last question, which was the joke question from my mother that we're going to use because she didn't send us a real one. And that question is, why don't we talk about elephants on this podcast more? I mean, that, that is a very good question because I do quite like elephants, but they don't tend to appear in my writing very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I struggle to think of any time an elephant has appeared in my writing, unless I was writing about my mother, in which case the elephants probably came up. She has an extensive elephant collection. Yeah, like I feel like the issue is I don't usually set things in a place there would be elephants. Yeah, you went for a space moose instead of a space elephant. Well, yes, because it was obnoxiously Canadian. Yeah, they're and elephants are not obnoxiously Canadian. No. The elephant show, on the other hand. The elephant show is good. I've uh, recently discovered that the two remaining members of Sharon, Lois, and Bram have a TikTok and they post clips from old concerts and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I forgot you. I'm like, skin rink dink dink And I'm like, yes, I remember this song. And then they they did one recently. It was around. I'm like, I had forgotten this song completely, but I love it. And clearly we need to write more about destroying Carthage so there could be elephants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if... I don't think my, my fantasy world... I, I think it's the wrong climate for there to be elephants. It would, would be like Hannibal 
trying to cross the Alps with the elephants and all the elephants die. So then there'd be dead elephants. And I feel like that would be not great. Then I would get written up on the does the dog die website. And I don't really want that. Yeah, so I guess that's what the real answer We don't talk about elephants because we keep setting stuff in cold climates. Yeah, yeah. All the elephants would be dead. And then my mother would be sad. So. And I mean, I did talk about elephants in my HEA once. Well, that's good. So, yeah. If we ever, if either of ever write something set somewhere warmer, we will try to include elephants. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that I will promise that there will be elephants in warmer climates if they can, you know, live and stuff. There, there's a possibility of elephants. And speaking of our HEA, I think that about wraps us up for the Q&A section and we should get to the HEA. Yes, yes. All right. On to HEA. All right. And that brings us to our HEA or Happily Ever After where we talk about things that happened that made us happy. So, Margaret, what's made you happy recently? So one of the reasons we didn't get stuff recorded is Fan Expo actually happened. Surprising everyone, or at least me. Yeah, I was surprised but really happy because for all that I was calling it theoretical Fan Expo, I was going to be pretty crushed if it got canceled. Yeah, I, I was... There were there were times where I was not particularly optimistic about it happening, but it did, and it was really fun. Yeah. Oh, I didn't say I was necessarily optimistic about it happening. I was just going to be crushed if it didn't. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is more of why I was. I, I'm still I'm still a little surprised it happened, but but, I, but yeah, it actually went really really smoothly with masks and vaccination and learning how to get masks on over Leku was fun. I got to wear the uh, Harley Quinn jacket with all the streamer bits on it and got to rustle everywhere. It was really fun. Yeah. And reset the counter. I cosplayed as Harrison Dula. Hey! We've had Harrison Dula mentioned. Excellent. I showed great restraint in not bringing her up when you talked about Victory's Price. <laughs> That's true. You did. Which was, among other things, her daycare bill. Yes, yes, the price of victory was kept keeping Jaden in daycare for however long it took for her to win the battle. So, many battles. Or kid. No. Yes, and my husband cosplayed as Kanan because if I sew the costumes, I get to pick the costumes. Yeah, it makes sense. And did I have two years to make these costumes? Yes. Did you spend... Did you spend two years making the costumes? To be fair, for a large chunk of those two years, the fabric stores were closed. That's true. Did I wind up booking an extra day off work just to try and get them finished? Yes, yes, you did. To be fair, I realized really close to the con that I had originally ordered Leku because I didn't want to have to deal with making them was a good plan. The person I ordered from had health problems, and my lecture shipped out last week. <laughs> so you'll have them for next time. Yes. 
So I had to make emergency Leku, and that meant another trip to Fabric Land. <laughs> These things happen. It also meant I was painting tattoos on Leku at one in the morning because I've lost control of my life. Yeah, that sounds sounds like you. <laughs> Hera is definitely going to be entering into my regular costume rotation because you may have noticed I really love her. You you're very subtle in your love. And you almost never mention her. And for all that the pants were infuriating. I do feel really good when I'm wearing the costume, so I still need to finish all the little fiddly bits. And mm-hmm. they will be getting worn more. Hooray! Yeah. So the only thing that could have really improved Fan Expo was chairs. Yes, yes. They uh, decided not to have chairs for panels, and I, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, maybe we're just getting old, but I'm like, my back can't take much of this this is not fun sitting on the floor so then I stood for a lot of panels because I was more comfortable to stand all day than to sit on the ground even with a sit-upon and it was obviously a bit more of a limited guest list than usual which I don't know why anyone was surprised but they still managed to get a pretty good guest list and there were interesting Q&As and it was just really fun to wear a costume and cry about how cute Grogu is. This is true. And I got to do that a lot because when we did the Kanan and Hera costumes, we were carrying Grogu and Auntie Harley was not allowed to determine whether or not he can bounce. Well, you said he could bounce. Auntie Harley wanted to verify. Yes, we will absolutely be posting pictures of this on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. There are many pictures. They were great. So what's making you happy other than other than Fan Expo? Well, we're, we're going to keep on going with the Star Wars train because, so as I mentioned, I finished Victory's Price. And out of it, I now have another character to add to my favorite Star Wars characters list, which would be Will Lark, because he is a cinnamon roll and he must be protected. He's and, wonderful. And he is wonderful. And I love him very much. And... He also flies the only ship I'm any good at. I, I, I bought Star Wars Squadrons because I was feeling like a pilot, like I wanted to pilot things. And I'm like, yes, just give me an A-wing. Forget about X-wings. Do not stick me in a Y-wing. They are the worst. They are. Gail Simone speaks truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an anti-Y-wing podcast. Yeah, yeah. I also do not want to be in a U-wing. What's wrong with an A-Wing? They are great. So Will buys the best ship, best character in Alphabet Squadron, and just awesome. And he'll also be on my list of if I ever make it big and enough to write official IP for Star Wars, I will be like, hey, do you want a Will Lark book that's not him being tortured by Alexander Freed for a whole trilogy? He's a mean, mean man. He is. Oh, but ooh. as we have established, it was the good folks at Lucas Books, Del Rey, that gave him the right, and all requests for emotional damages need to be sent to them. It's in his contract. <sighs> yeah, man, Del Rey. Goodness. <sighs> so yes, yes, uh, Alphabet Squadron, good book. Has has Will Lark, and there's there's some there's some twi- Twilight. 
general in there too. I don't, I can't remember her name. Yeah, you, you just some some green one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, was it Hera? Oh yeah, yeah, Hera Sedula. <laughs> yes. <Who we> like. <laughs> and yes, in case you were wondering, they did write this trilogy specifically for me. Yes, yes. And they, the last book was written specifically because Alexander Freed wanted to get five stars and by causing emotional damages. Because you know, I enjoyed the whole series, but book three, that one hit harder than the other two. It is making a case for top book of the year for me. Yeah. Yeah, which will probably be our next episode, I think. I'm not sure if we'll get another one in between the before that yeah that about wraps us up for today so uh, as always thank you for listening you can support the podcast at ko-fi.com slash needs more word podcast all one word we're on twitter at needs more words we have our website needs more words.com the website might actually be updated sometime maybe who knows stranger things have happened yeah and you know if you have just come up with a burning question that you want answered, you know, feel free to set it in. We could just throw in an extra, you know, little Q, little A in somewhere or whatever. And we're still Always on Star Wars elephants. podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you when the curse abates. Oh. Bye. Bye. Needs More Words is hosted by Vicki Martin and Margaret Hansen. This episode was edited by Margaret Hansen. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Needs More Words. <laughs>